0: Welcome to Into Security Daily, the InfoSecurity magazine podcast that brings you a daily bite-sized news roundup of all that's hot in the InfoSecurity world. Whilst our website remains offline due to a significant and sustained DDoS attack, we'll bring you news via audio format. I'm Elena Dalloway, editorial director, and we're still committed to delivering the headlines that matter straight to you. Hey, and welcome to Thursday the 29th of July's edition of our Into Security Daily podcast. A podcast formed out of a necessity, but actually, we're kind of loving bringing this to you daily. Of course, we're not doing this for us, we're doing it for you. So if you'd like us to do things a little bit differently, mix things up, or if we're not doing something that you'd like us to be, we'd love to hear from you. So do get in touch. You can contact us most easily via Twitter, and that's the tag InfoSecurityMag, or or me directly at Infosec Editor. I'm joined today by Benjamin David, our Deputy Editor, and James Coker, our news reporter. And we bring this to you a day before we go to print with the Q3 issue of Infosecurity Magazine. So we're up to our ears in page proofs in the background here. But let's kick off today's news roundup by jumping over to Hungary, uh, figuratively of course, um, with Benjamin. So over to you please, Ben.
1: Hi, thank you. Yes. Yeah, so. I want to talk about a call for Hungarian ministers to resign in the wake of Pegasus revelations. So Hungary's opposition has called for ministerial resignations from Viktor Orban's government over claims that it selected journalists, media owners and opposition political figures as targets for invasive Pegasus software. Now the Pegasus project is an international investigative journalism initiative that uncovered government's espionage on journalists, opposition politicians, business people, activists and others using the private NSO group's Pegasus spyware. The spyware targets iPhones and Android devices. Once a phone is infected, a Pegasus operator can secretly extract chats, photos, emails and location data, or activate microphones and cameras without a user knowing. Now, the revelation saw various protests against the government this week. Anna Donath, a Hungarian MEP with the opposition party Momentum, told the Associated Press news agency at a rally this week that this scandal shows we cannot talk about the role of law anymore in Hungary. Our demand is the resignation of the government. Now, Hungarian law allows that in cases where national security is at stake, intelligence services can order surveillance with no judicial oversight, only the signature of the Minister of Justice. At least five Hungarian journalists appeared on the leaked list, including two from the investigative outlet Direct36, a Pegasus project partner. Opposition MPs demanded an emergency meeting of Parliament's National Security Committee on Monday. Still, four MPs from Orban's party did not show up, meaning there was no quorum. Now, Peter Unger, an opposition MP who sits on the committee, commented that the government's plan is not to discuss the issue. And I don't know what you would call this, but it's certainly not an oversight. He also said that Judith Varga, the justice minister, should resign if she could not offer an adequate explanation about whether and why the surveillance had taken place. Democratic lawmakers in Washington called on the Biden administration to place NSO Group on an export blacklist in related news this week. They said recent revelations of misuse Compounded their conviction that the hacking for hire industry must be brought under control.
0: Well, you certainly don't need to tell us about journalists and media owners being the target of cyber criminals at the moment. We know that all too well. Now we've obviously been offline for a couple of weeks. I genuinely feel like we are tonic without gin, without the ability to publish. Um, But this podcast is definitely the next best thing. So, moving on from Hungary to the United States, James, take us to the White House.
2: Sure thing. Thanks, Alan. So yeah, on yesterday's episode, I, I discussed US President Biden's speech that he made earlier this week in which he warned that the U.S. if the US ended up in a war with a major power, it's most likely to be a, as a result of a serious cyber attack on the country. And since then, we've already had another update on cyber security from the Biden administration. So this one is about a White House memorandum that was issued yesterday. And this sets out ways to improve the baseline security for critical infrastructure, providers across the US. The memo establishes an industrial control system Cybersecurity initiative, and this is a voluntary collaborative effort between the federal government and the critical infrastructure community, which is designed to boost security. The key appears to be monitoring control systems to enhance visibility into possible suspicious activity, threat detection and response, and information sharing across the community. So the memo stated the primary objective of this initiative is to defend the United States critical infrastructure by encouraging and facilitating the deployment of technologies and systems that provide threat visibility, indications, detection and warnings, and that facilitate response capabilities for cybersecurity in essential control system and operational technology networks. It added that the goal of the initiative is to greatly expand deployment of these technologies across priority critical infrastructure. So the initiative has already been piloted in the electricity sector, and this is going to extend to natural gas pipelines, the water and wastewater sector, as well as the chemical sector. And it will replace the current patchwork of requirements for CNI Uh, critical national infrastructure, that is, under state and local law, with a consistent federal baseline for cybersecurity goals and necessary controls. And the Homeland Security Secretary will issue these goals before September this year. This has come after multiple severe cyber attacks on US critical infrastructure in recent months that we've covered extensively here at InfoSecurity. So this includes on the large fuel supply chains this year, including on the East Coast uh, colonial pipeline, which is a very notorious attack, and food supply chains with the company JBS USA. To sort of give a bit more background, there's also a new report that's come out from Umbrella Security Industries, which warns that oil and gas was one of the only industries to consistently see an increase in attacks on its systems from April to June, 2021. While in contrast, many others saw a reduction. This included a 22% increase in APT style attacks, an 18% increase in endpoint attacks, a 29% increase in threats targeting perimeter defences, and a 22% surge in cloud attacks. So overall, it's it's really positive to see the US government continuing to take proactive steps in regard to securing critical infrastructure. This is definitely something we'll be keeping an eye on over, over the coming months and years.
0: Thanks, James. We've actually got a feature on President Biden in our Q3 issue, the one that goes to print tomorrow. And our cover feature actually reviews his first six months in office from a cybersecurity perspective only, of course. Um, And the analysis certainly concludes that it's being taken a hell of a lot more seriously by this administration than it was by the last. Kel's surprise there, I'm sure. Anyway, back to Ben with a story about the 30 most exploited vulnerabilities in 2020 and 2021.
1: Thank you, Eleanor. Yes, so the US, UK and Australian authorities have released their list of the most dirty exploited vulnerabilities in 2020 and 2021. Now, the list offers plenty for organisations to digest as part of their patch management strategies. Now, the key takeaways from the CISA, FBI, NCSC and ACSC report a mouthful there, um, appear to be that threat actors focused much of their efforts last year on remote working infrastructure. Now, four of the 12 most exploited bugs targeted um, remote work, VPN or cloud-based technologies. These included a vulnerability in Pulse Connect Service VPN and a bug in Fortinet's FortiOS SSL VPN. Among those highly exploited in 2021 are vulnerabilities in perimeter-type defenses for Microsoft, Pulse, Asilion, VMware and Fortinet, the report said. Now as the pandemic recedes and of course hybrid working becomes the norm for many organizations, securing this kind of infrastructure for remote workers will be increasingly critical cybercriminals and nation states will otherwise continue to probe unpatched software for an easy route into corporate networks also of note is the fact that nearly half to 12 of the top 30 reported vulnerabilities were from previous years dating back all the way to 2017 now this highlights the continued challenge facing system administrators overwhelmed with patches every month, leading to gaps in protection. Experts suggest risk-based tools as a best practice way of identifying and prioritizing those bugs likely to cause the most damage to the organization. This must be a continuous process that, of course, takes account of the constantly evolving threat landscape
0: yeah thanks ben i think it's crazy how often legacy issues continue to crop up in security and just getting the basics right practicing good cyber hygiene might not be uh, fashionable per se in the industry but it's definitely fundamental and well done on the acronyms that was one hell of a (laughs) acronym soup at the beginning of that story so let's finish up today's news roundup by jumping to ransomware after all 2021 is most definitely the year of ransomware so james over to you for that last one
2: yeah, thanks. And Yeah, it's, de- it's definitely a topic that you just can't get away from, really. So this is the worrying news that a, a new ransomware group has emerged on the dark web this week with a mission to target organisations which have $100 million or more in revenue. So this is according into cybersecurity company Recorded Future. The vendor said that the group, which is called Black Matter, has been actively recruiting partners on popular cybercrime sites such as XSS and Exploit. And so while ransomware ads have been banned on the two forums for several months, the group is sort of getting around these rules by only requesting initial access broker partners rather than affiliates. And it's reportedly offering $100,000 for exclusive access to the networks of high value targets in the US, UK, Australia and Canada. So Black Matter already has a leak site up and running, which is currently empty, but will soon fill up with the exfiltrated data of the victim organisations it targets. The group has also apparently claimed that its code combines the best elements of DarkSide and our evil ransomware variants. These groups have gone silent following their attacks on Colonial Pipeline and Kaseya this year, and the links between these three groups are are still under investigation. Perhaps trying to keep a lower profile than these two groups, Black Matter has claimed that it won't target hospitals, critical infrastructure, oil and gas companies, the defence industry, non-profits or the government sector. So some related news to this. Um, A new report came out yesterday which highlighted the importance of initial access to ransomware and other attacks as a critical part of the cybercrime supply chain. So the dark web study from Positive Technologies revealed a whopping sevenfold increase in ads offering access in 2020 compared to 2019. And so these numbers are continuing to rise. The first quarter of 2021 saw triple the number of users placing ads for buying access, selling access or collaborating compared to the same period in 2020. And the report also noted that around $600,000 worth of corporate network access is sold on the dark web every quarter. So this story really just shows that the scourge of ransomware isn't going away anywhere soon, unfortunately, and efforts to combat these types of attacks have to ramp up.
0: Thanks, James. I think we do like to label years as the year of in the security industry. And as (laughs) I said earlier, there will be no arguments about 2021 being the year of ransomware. I think the fascinating thing for me is how many similarities there are between this type of cybercrime and any sort of normal business or industry. And the way you sort of talked about how they're actively recruiting for example it it really makes you realize it's an industry isn't it albeit an yeah. illegal unethical despicable one but it's still an industry
2: Yeah, becoming increasingly professionalized, which is, uh, yeah, it's concerning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of Thursday's Into Security Daily. We will be back tomorrow with a slightly longer form, our usual Into Security podcast to finish the week off with. But thanks for sticking with us all week. We're really glad we've been able to bring you content in a slightly different way. But still, we're able to bring you content. So thanks for being on the journey with us. And we look forward to speaking to you tomorrow. But for now, I've been Eleanor.
1: I've been James. And I've been Benjamin.
0: Thanks for listening to Into Security Daily. We can't wait to get back to bringing you the same quality and quantity of online content as soon as possible. Until then, listen in to our daily podcast and stay connected to the cybersecurity stories that matter.